the most common words that you will hear in church is the word amen. It simply means that we agree and so be it, Lord. I think if we all took a moment, we would all agree that we want God's blessing over our families, our children, and their children. So as we swing, sing together today, let's cry out the word amen as we declare God's blessing over this generations and the generations to follow. or whether that generation is starting today with you. We declare this over your lives. May his favor be upon you and a thousand generations and your family and your children and their children and their children. May his favor be upon you and a thousand 
Just one more time with a shout of praise. Can we thank our God that he is with us and that he is for us today? Amen. You know, this morning as we've been singing, I noticed in all of the songs that we've sang today, we've, we thank God for all that he's done for us. We thank him that he's never lost a battle. We can look back over our shoulder and see his faithful track record. And by the time we get to this point and we're singing this song, we're declaring things over our lives, over our families, over our future. How, how can we do that? We can do it because we know that God's always been faithful and he will always continue to be. Amen.
maybe you're here this morning and you didn't know that God was with you and for you. He's with you and he's for you. That's something to be thankful for this morning. That's something to be grateful for today. Hey, can I just invite you right now, if you're comfortable, would you just lift your hands in some way, just to open your heart to God this morning. Maybe you're not comfortable lifting your hands. That's all right. Just to open your heart in some way to the Lord this morning. Let's just ask him to come in and be near today, okay? Father, we thank you that you are here, that you are near, you are with us, you're for us. These are the declarations of our mouth coming from our heart. God, we look back over our shoulder and recognize that even when times weren't good, you were always good. You've always been faithful. Even when things were tough, you've always been near. You've always been present. You've never left us. You've never forsaken us. And today, Father, we thank you for that. God, I pray in Jesus' name today that you would be glorified by the words of our mouth, by the meditations of our heart. As we've gathered here this day as your church, we recognize that we're different people coming from different places and different backgrounds, but you love each and every one of us the same. We are your church. And so today we declare to you our love in return for all that you have done for us. I pray that you would be near today, that you would speak to us. For the one that needs to know that you exist, that you would show up strong in their life. For the one who needs wisdom or encouragement, for the one who needs healing in this place, for someone who just needs to know that you are near, I pray that you would be exactly what you need to be to that person today so that they will know that you are real. We honor you today. We give you this time. This is not our time. This is your time. We give it back to you today in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Come on, let's give our God praise one more time this morning. Wow, how good is it to be in church this morning? Wow, nowhere else, nowhere else I'd rather be than with you right here, our church family, praising, worshiping God, honoring Him. Just so grateful for the presence of God that's here this morning. Everybody else just recognize that God is here today. So cool, so cool. I know God has good things in store for our church, but for each and every one of us individually, and we are excited to get further into our service today. So before you're seated, hey, turn around, say hi to somebody real quick. Give them a wave. If you want to give them a hug or a handshake, you can do that too. Say hi to somebody this morning. Meet somebody that you do not know before you find your seat today. Bridge family and welcome to church. We're so grateful to spend this day with you and with your family and we hope that you feel right at home and enjoy our time together. There is a place for everybody in this church family and we want to let you know about all the things that are happening here in the church so that you can get involved. Here's what's coming up at the bridge. Youth. We are back. We have service on Sundays at 11.30 a.m. during our second service. We also have service on Wednesdays, 6 p.m. hangouts and 7 p.m. service. You're not going to want to miss it. We have a new series entitled Growing Pains that we are currently going through. It's absolutely amazing. If you guys want to stay up to date with what we're doing, follow us at bridgeYTH underscore on our IG. You're not going to want to miss it. We love you guys and we can't wait for you guys to join us.
parents the early bird rate of $60 for Level Up Kids Day Camp ends today. So don't miss this in-person event where each day is jam-packed with excitement. Your kids are gonna love the inflatable jumpers, slides, crafts, games, skits, music, inspiration, and so much more. For more details on how you can volunteer and get signed up, visit our website because we are going to new heights and new levels with God. Here at The Bridge, we say all the time that we are more than just a congregation of people. We are a family. Our mission is simple. We want to connect people with God and connect people with people. And maybe you're new to the church and you've started connecting with God on a deeper level, but you haven't begun making those relational connections that make church feel like home. We want to help you. You are invited to join us next Sunday morning at Connecting Point. Connecting Point is where you go to learn more about the heartbeat of the Bridge Church and find out how you can play a part in accomplishing the mission that God has given us as a church. It's happening next Sunday morning during the 1130 service, and we would love for you to come. If you have kids, Bridge Kids will be happening during that service to serve them as well. But we ask that you register if you'd like to come so that we can plan for you. Go to our website or the Bridge app and click on the Connect tab. There you can sign up and we can prepare for you. We want to meet you and help you get plugged in. So make your plans to join us next Sunday morning at Connecting Point. If you're new to the Bridge, we want to help you get plugged in and find your place in this family. Stop by the Info Center after this service and say hi to our team. They would love to meet you and answer any questions that you might have about the church. You can also stay up to date with everything that's coming up by downloading the Bridge app. Just text the keywords, the Bridge Church app to 77977. And for more general info, check out our website, thebridgechurch.tv. Thanks again for being in church today. And we love spending Sunday with you and with your family. Good morning. How's everybody doing today? You are looking good here, first service today. Glad that you're here. Hey, I want to dive into God's Word here just a second. We're going to be reading from John chapter 6 in just a few minutes. If you've got a Bible, you want to turn there, get prepared. If not, we'll have verses on the screen. But first, I want to welcome everyone, let you know I am so glad that you're here today. We welcome you to the Bridge Church. If it's your first time here, we want to extend a special welcome to you. Really glad you're here. If you have any questions today, you can stop by the Info Center out in the lobby. They can answer your questions. Check us out online. We have a church app you can check out there. If you've been coming for a few weeks and you're thinking, well, this is going to be home and I need to get better connected, go to Connecting Point next Sunday morning during second service right out there down that hallway and then to the left. And I promise you, you will learn all about the bridge and you can, we can answer any questions to help get you better connected with church life. Can we just welcome our first time guests together today? Thank you for being here. I want to share a message today that's titled, Keep Your Eye on the Ball. Keep your eye on the ball. How many of you know baseball season is here? Baseball season is here. So I'm not going to talk much about baseball, but I'm going to begin with it for a simple reason. It, it really helps me set up the message that I want to share today. I've had the, the distinct privilege and honor the last two Fridays 
to go watch my four-year-old grandson play t-ball. Four-year-olds, boys and girls playing t-ball, it's like watching the Keystone Cops. I mean, it's, it's, some of you know what Keystone Cops is. Take my word for it, it's funny. I mean, it's, it's really funny to watch them chase the ball and then when they finally fight over it and somebody gets it, they don't know what to do with it. And they have to tell them which base to run to next. It's really intriguing kind of to watch it. But, but my point is this. I've watched so many of those kids get up to bat and they pull all the way around and they look at grandpa and grandma, check out the grandstands and they swing and they miss the ball. And one of the first things they tell you when you start playing sports is you got to keep your eye on the ball. Baseball, you've got to keep your eye on the ball. Uh, I, I played baseball in organized leagues until I was in my mid-40s and then I gave it up for golf. How many of you know that riding in a golf cart is easier than running the bases? So I picked up golf. But it's the same thing with golf. You've got to keep your eye on the ball. And, and today I, I want to talk about a couple of things particularly. And I'm going to move really fast once I start today. But I want to talk about some things that I think have really caused the church to take their eye off the ball the last several months. Some things that are really important. And... For the Bridge Church, if you're new to the Bridge, whether you've been to Connecting Point or not, let, let me just open with this. Some people would say, well, for the Bridge Church, what is the ball? What do we need to keep our eyes on? What's important to us? Our vision, our mission is really, really simple. It's to connect people with God and then connect people with people. And if we do that well, that process will help us connect more people with God and more people with people and it just keeps feeding itself. So our, our ball, so to speak, our mission that we need to keep our eyes on is connecting people with God, first of all. And then second of all, connect people together to do more things for God's kingdom. But I want to break it down and make it a little more personal today in the introduction of this message. And I want to talk about life, your life, my life. We've got different gifts. We've got different callings. There are different things that interest us. God created us all differently to do different things for his kingdom. But the question today is, what is really important in my life? I want you to ask yourself that question. What is really important in my life? What do I need to be focused on? For me, what is the ball? You know, I've learned through the years that there are a lot of believers who leave God out of that answer to that question. They figure out, well, this is what my life's all about, and God has no place in it. And we need to stop and, and ask ourselves the question, why did God create me? Why did God bring me into his family? Not just to save me eternally, but we've got things to do in eternity. Why am I in God's family? What should my focus in life really be all about? In John chapter 6, Jesus began to talk about the foundation for this question, the answer to this question. He was talking about the importance of him, Jesus, and what he was about to do to take primary focus in our lives, to become the most important thing in life. If you ask me today, in general terms, for every person in the world, what is the most important thing in life? Number one, you be in relationship with God. Number two, what does God want to do for you, in you, and through you? He wants us to be in relationship with him. And if we're going to walk these things out in life, we have to determine what is really important. What does God really have for me in this life and in his kingdom? So Jesus in this teaching 
begins to share. And if you study Jesus' ministry, from time to time when the crowds got big, Jesus would throw a really hard principle or ask a really hard question, and it would kind of thin the crowd out. It would kind of, to use an old expression, it would kind of move the looky-loos. They'd kind of step aside and just leave it to those who were serious about Jesus. And in this teaching, Jesus makes this statement. If you're going to follow me, if you're going to really know me and serve God, you need to eat my flesh and drink my blood. Now, the context of this was the, the Jews are talking about Moses giving them bread from heaven, the manna. And what Jesus said was, I'm the real manna. That was just a type of me. I'm the real manna because they ate that manna and they were hungry the next day. If you eat this manna, if you eat this living bread, you'll never be hungry again. you never thirst again if you drink my blood. What he's talking about is the importance of embracing his death and his resurrection. Let me move it in a little different direction. The primary reason from time to time that we share the Lord's Supper and we take communion is to remind us of his body that was broken and his blood that was shed. Jesus said, do this as often as you will to remember what's most important in life, that we be in relationship with God because of what Jesus has done for us. But in this discussion, when Jesus says, eat my flesh, drink my blood, you can imagine the stir it caused. Like, oh man, the disciples are like, whoa, that's, that's, a, that's a heavy one. That, that's a big one. I, I don't know that I fully understand this. Well, to make things worse, the Jews, the people in the crowd, they really got upset because Jesus put himself above Moses. So this whole thing starts reverberating through the crowd. And pick it up in John chapter 6. Why don't you look at verse number 60. Therefore, many of Jesus' disciples, when they heard this, they said, this is a hard saying. Who can understand it? I mean, this, this is a tough one. Eat my flesh, drink my blood. This is a tough one. I, I haven't really fully understood this. Verse 61, when Jesus knew in himself that his disciples complained. Notice this, the disciples complained about what Jesus was saying. But Jesus said to them, does this offend you? I want to stop there. We'll pick this up later in the chapter in a few minutes. Jesus looked at them and said, does this offend you? And he goes on to tell them, you know, you get so focused on natural things and carnal things and what you can get from God and what God will give you to make your life more comfortable. But oftentimes we miss the most important spiritual principles that Jesus is trying to teach. And he goes on to say, you know what? If you're going to follow me, the flesh really doesn't profit anything. It's the spirit that's being fed. It's your spirit that's going to grow. And that's what's going to change your path and your resources in life. It's the spiritual growth. But I want to come back to what Jesus said. He asked the question, does this offend you? Does this offend you? In Jesus' teachings about offenses, he gave us some warnings about things that might offend us. In Luke 17, Jesus says this, it's impossible that no offenses should come. In other words, everybody smile at me, sometimes in life you are going to get offended. Isn't that great news? See, Jesus gave us a warning. We have an enemy, we have an adversary, and he's going to do all he can to cause us to get our eye off the ball and stop following Jesus the way that we should. 
So he said, offenses are going to come. And then the rest of this verse, he goes on to say, but woe to him through whom they come. What he's basically saying is, if you're one of those people that runs around bumping into people, shoving, saying, get out of my way, I'm the important one around here. If you're the one that's always offending people, whoa, one of these days God will deal with you. And how many of you know there are some people like that out there? Wouldn't be anybody like this in this room today. But there are people who love to be the offender. I like me the way I am. If you don't like me, tough. That's your problem. That's an attitude of offense. One of these days, whether it's in this life or the world to come, God will deal with that attitude. And I, I personally think it's probably a good idea to deal with it now and change it now before we stand before God. How many of you think that might be a good idea? But then the second thing that I want you to notice in Matthew 24... Jesus said in the end times, they're asking him about the end times. And I'm going to talk about this more next month. He says in the end times, in the last days, Jesus says many will be offended. And because of that, they will betray one another and they will hate one another. Isn't it amazing the emotions and the attitudes that you pick up and carry when you've been offended? And it's tough for us to deal with all that. Now I'm going to start moving quickly, so follow along with me. We now live in a society where we are encouraged to be offended. You listen to media, everywhere you look, everywhere you listen, you need to be offended. You need to be angry. You need to be offended. You need to be hurt. You need to carry a grudge. You need to carry this thing. We live in the age of microaggressions, where we are taught to look for reasons to be offended. If I can't find a big reason to be offended, then I'm going to find a little reason to be offended. But I will be offended. Now, this is one of those places in the message, it's a good thing to laugh and say, yeah, there are a lot of people like that. Because I know we're hitting everybody, okay? We're taught today to be offended. For everything in the world that I don't like, I'm supposed to find someone to blame for those circumstances, and I am told to be offended. Now, here's what the Bible says about the word offense. In the New Testament, when you talk about being offended, an offense, Jesus taught and said an offense is a trap. It's a snare. It's a stumbling block. It's like the enemy sets this trap, and he puts this bait on there. And the minute you run in and grab the bait and say, I'm going to be offended, boom, the trap falls on you. And you're the one who winds up in a trap. Don't look at me like that. Jesus taught this. It wasn't me. I didn't make it up. This is what Jesus said. Go back to the original writings. You see it in the language. He said, when I choose to be offended, I'm the one that falls into a trap. But if you go to the dictionary... And I popped up one of the definitions out of the dictionary. Here's what it says about an offense. It's an annoyance or resistance that's brought about by a perceived insult or a perceived disregard for myself, my standards, or my principles. See, in that definition in English, it tells us an offense must be perceived, and then received. I had a minister friend who's gone to be with the Lord, older guy years ago. He made a statement one day. He said, there are always people looking to offend you. There are always going to be things that will offend you if you're looking for it. You have to, de you have to develop an attitude that says, 
when people try to offend me, it's nothing unless I say it's something. Unless I perceive it and I receive it and I embrace it, I can say it's nothing and walk away from it and I don't fall into the trap. But if I grab it and embrace it and hold it immediately, it begins to affect my life. So an offense is dependent upon my perception. Or, in other words, I must choose to perceive that someone is trying to offend me. I must be looking for reasons to be offended. Now, what I find most interesting about this definition is I can be offended by someone's hateful actions. Has anybody ever had somebody attack you intentionally and hurt you? Go on, let me see your hands. Not a trick question. Only about a third of you. Wow. Let me, let me tell you something. There'll be, there'll be some of that in your future then because it's impossible that no offenses would come. We've all experienced that. But here's what's interesting. You can be offended by someone's hateful actions or I can be offended just because I want to be offended and I can choose to fall into a trap when there really was no trap to fall into. This is good. This is really good. I'm going to buy the cassette tape of this. It's so good. Because here, here's what happens. When I'm offended, it creates a mental and emotional wound which brings pain into my heart, pain into my life. And when we're in pain, we tend to focus on that pain. Everybody ever had a serious injury and you're in constant pain? Isn't it hard to function in life when you're really hurting? But it's the same truth that applies to offenses. We get wounded, we take in this emotional, this mental hurt and we embrace it and we get so focused on it that it's hard for us to navigate life correctly because we're distracted by the pain. We fail to focus on more important issues. In other words, we take our eye off the ball because we've chosen to live in pain. That's what offense is. Can I take one step further? If you study scriptures... New Testament, the writings of Jesus, I mean, the, the words of Jesus, the writings of Paul. Scripture teaches us that being easily offended is a sign of immaturity. And I'm not saying this for anybody here or anybody watching online today. I'm saying this for those who might listen to this down the road in a few weeks. There, there are some people out there who just want to be offended all the time. They just look for something to be offended about. They look for something to be upset about. They may have learned it from dad or from mom or a family member or a friend. Or maybe they think life's not fair. And as a result, I'm going to go through life and I'm going to be offended. Can I tell you something? If you're living with that attitude, it's an attitude of immaturity. And it's going to keep you living in a trap that takes a lot of joy and a lot of blessing out of your life. That's not God's plan for us. And I, I'm not asking for clapping, but that is good. I, I, I'll clap for that one myself. So... For me to constantly be offended is a sign of my immaturity. But let me take it one step further. Looking for reasons to be offended is an even greater immaturity. And it's a spiritual flaw if I choose to live that way. So when I, care, when I choose to carry an offense, I choose to allow the offense to become the master of my life. And when I choose to carry an offense and let it become the master of my life, I become the slave of that offense. I know I'm giving you a lot of stuff that's making you think today and it ties together. But I'm going to address something really important in a few minutes. Our society, everybody say, our society. 
our society is now ruled by an evil spirit. And its name is division. You want to know the evil spirit hovering over America? It's division. Everything in media, everything you hear, everything you see, it's meant to divide us, separate people. There's this evil spirit named division ruling our society. And this evil spirit uses real offenses and it creates perceived offenses to divide us. Why? Because the enemy wants to divide people. If he can divide people, he can bring downfall to that society. Some of us are caught in this and we don't even know it. I'm going to get to it here in a minute. The most prominent media voices in society today continually speak fear, despair, and anger into our lives. And it causes us to carry an offense. Fear, despair, anger. They stir up our emotions and our emotions tend to have a destabilizing effect on us. When we get all emotionally involved, that's when we tend to get offended. We don't think here. We react from here. So if despair and fear and anger infects my life, I will need someone towards whom I can aim my emotions and that opens the door for me to step into the trap and become enslaved to an offense. You know what I want to do today? I want us to learn how to slam the door and say no to offenses because it's going to interfere with our mission. It'll cause us to take our eye off of the ball. And the truth is, it's sad, but it's true. An offended person often becomes a greater slave than the offender. Because Jesus said, I'll deal with offenders. God will deal with them eventually. Their day is coming. And God may deal with them and they may get things right, but yet you can carry that offense the rest of your life. You can carry evil feelings, hard feelings, hatred, and never forgive people. And all it does is chew up your health and your future. Hello? You know, many years ago, this isn't even in my notes. This, this is just good stuff, okay? So I get an extra minute to share this. Many years ago, back in the well, 1970s or 80s, they did research back then. You know what they found? They found that many forms of cancer and arthritis has its root in people's stomachs where there's an imbalance because of bitterness and anger and hatred. A lot of disease comes from this. You can't live a happy, healthy life carrying offenses. Jesus went to the cross to free us from attitude of offense. Hebrews chapter 12. I'm going to paraphrase. If you want to go home and read it for yourself, the first two verses of Hebrews 12. Hanging on the cross, did you know Jesus was dying for someone else's offenses? Did you know that? Hanging on the cross, Jesus was dying for our offenses, for somebody else's offenses. Yet Jesus himself never became offended about that. That's good. Man, T.D. Jakes got a hold of that. He'd preach a series on it, make a lot of money. I'm, I'm doing this today to keep it light because I know this is a lot to chew on today. Jesus never got offended for our sake. He despised the cross. I mean, he, he, didn't, he didn't grab it and say, ooh, this is horrible. I'm not going to do this. He said, you know, I'm not going to despise all this. I'm not going to let it offend me and knock me off course. I'm going to keep my eye on the ball. I'm going to lay down my life, be raised from the dead, ascend back to the Father. And because of that, God's going to have a big family. He kept his eye on the ball. 
He refused to be offended. We must all be aware that the fear, the despair, the anger, and the division that swirls all around us has also infected church life. It's also infected the church. And I want to talk for a few minutes. Some of you think, well, you should be done. My introduction's finished, okay? I want to talk for just a few minutes about two offending issues of society that, strive, that are striving to divide the church. There are more than this, and I'll get to the other one a little bit later next month. But I want to talk about two things today that every believer needs to be aware of. The enemy is using this to help to, to cause us to get our eye off the ball and lose sight of our mission. Number one, politics. Politics. Let me go back to what I said a few minutes ago. Our society is now being ruled by an evil spirit of division. And the enemy is using politics and politicians to divide us. Politics from the left and politics from the right. And I know I'm going to anger. Usually when I, if I ever say politics, somebody on the left gets offended and the right's okay with it. Or somebody on the right gets offended and the left's okay with it. Let me say this today. I'm going to offend everybody the next three minutes, okay? You can, you can perceive it. You can perceive it however you want to perceive it. You can carry it however you want to carry it. But I'm talking about the mission of the church. Jesus said, Matthew 12, 25, every kingdom divided against itself is brought to desolation. Our nation is now divided and it's beginning to divide against itself. Violence is encouraged. Hateful speech is encouraged. Nastiness is encouraged. And now we want to infect the courts with philosophy and left-leaning or right-leaning people so we can punish the other side. That's division. It's division. Well, I don't think the church should address politics. I'm not addressing politics. I'm telling you what politics is doing to us. Now, you might say, well, why do you think there's an evil spirit of division over America? Because you cannot reason with an evil spirit. You find somebody who's driven by an evil spirit, you cannot reason with them. And we are living today in an unreasonable society. Boy, this is good. This is good. Let me tell you, let me tell you how I know the enemy's involved in this. Scripture says Satan is a liar and he's the father of all lies. Satan cannot tell the truth somebody's texting me right in the middle of my message please don't do that don't make me get my eye off the ball See, Satan an evil spirit can't tell the truth he twists even the truth the littlest littlest phrase the littlest word he he twists it to use it for his own benefit and that's what we hear you know it started many years ago but you begin to hear it more and more in the press, and you begin to hear it even from the White House. I'm not talking about the last two or three years. I'm talking about many years ago. You have to swing everything, and you have to twist and spin all the facts so that people will buy it. We begin to stop telling the truth so we could spin our government in the direction we wanted it to go, left and right. So like I said, I'm going to offend everybody here. But the other thing about Satan is, 
Scripture says he's the accuser of the brethren. You know what that means? He's a name caller. Oh, he goes before God. Oh, you know what Zach is. You know what Corey is. We all know what Corey is, but that, <laughs> just kidding, Corey. Pick on, that's my philosophy. Pick on the youth pastor, okay? But here's the point I want to make. It's the enemy that causes us to get angry and point fingers at each other and call each other nasty names. When people are unreasonable, they won't discuss their differences. So they call each other nasty, accusatory names. They give them ugly labels, and that's our society today. Even on the news, you hear it over and over again. Now, we don't have seat belts on our chairs, so ushers, lock the back doors. I told you, I'm going I'm to upset everybody today. Some of us have become Republicans before we're Christians. We wouldn't vote for Jesus if he was a Democrat. We wouldn't vote for Jesus if he was a Democrat. Ouch. Some of us have become Democrats before we're Christians. We wouldn't vote for Jesus if he was a Republican. By the way, make it clear, Jesus doesn't need our vote. He, he is the King of kings. He's the Lord of lords. He's going to rule and reign forever. You cannot impeach him. He's not going to resign. He's here to stay. So you might as well get in line with him, okay? Amen. You, you know what happens when our politics are out of balance? We become easily offended and we take our eye off the ball of what's important. The future of America, listen to me, the future of America is no longer important to the political process. Division is simply trying to divide us to destroy who we are and what we are. Now you can buy it or not, study it for yourself. Listen to what's being said in society. It's obvious. Here's what's interesting. We as pastors have an interesting responsibility right now. We're trying to figure out who's a part of this church and who's not. We got so many new people that we want to meet you. We want to get to know you. And there are a lot of you. We do want to get to know you. We want to get connected with you. We do. That's why we do connecting point. We want to get connected. But you know what else? In the last year, we've, or the last few months, we've taken in so many new people. We've also lost people because of a spirit of division that's at work in our society today. We've lost people on the left. We've lost people on the right. I could tell you stories, but I don't have time this morning, so I'm not going to do it. But they've let me know. They let me know. You're not far enough over here. You're not far enough over there. You know what I've been doing every week? Preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ. This is what changed lives right here. This is it. And if that's good enough, I don't know what else to do. I really don't. Because i got to please somebody. And I decided a long time ago I'm going to please God, not man. So that's where we're at. Now, 
something you need to know. John 18, 36. Here's what Jesus said. Jesus answered, my kingdom is not of this world. If my kingdom were of this world, my servants would fight so that I should not be delivered to the Jews. But now my kingdom is not from here. I have very strong political ideas and beliefs, very strong. But that's not my message. Jesus is my message. And I'll explain that more in a minute. Won't you stay with me? Jesus said, my kingdom is not of this world. But there are a lot of us. We're expecting our political party to usher in the kingdom of God. Jesus said, my kingdom is not of this world. And some of us are so angry about what's happening in our land. I'm angry about it. But you know what? Something happened in my heart the last year. And I think it's God. You may disagree, but I think it's God. You know how we used to fly the flagpole? We'd have the American flag and then the California flag and then maybe the Christian flag down below it. I've got the Christian flag flying on top because it's an eternal kingdom. And if America goes a different direction, I'm staying with Jesus. I am. I don't want that. I don't want that. But I got my priorities right there. Because the kingdom of God is not of this world. Philippians 3.20, here's what Paul said. Paul said, our citizenship is in heaven. From which we also eagerly wait for the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. I'm an American citizen. I have a passport when I travel anywhere. It's an American passport. I'm an American citizen. But you know what? When Jesus comes to rule and reign on this earth, I'm going to throw that passport away and I'm going to carry a passport that says, I am a child of God and I'm ruling and reigning with him forever. That's my citizenship. Some of us are waiting for that day. You need to transfer your citizenship now. That doesn't mean you abandon your country and your ideals. We need to stand on the principles of God's word, but we have got to get our hearts in tune with God because the enemy is using politics to get our eye off of the ball. Amen. That guy's old school. Thank you. Now, I'm, I'm moving fast because I want to finish. For several years now, our country's been on a course to erase morality and establish godlessness in our society. We've been doing that for years. Some of you say, well, you know, I think you're extreme. If you're as old as me, and I'm young, if you're as old as me, you've seen it in your lifetime. We want to erase morality and replace it with godlessness from our school systems right on through. And it's happened because a large number of Christians have voted for it. We've voted for candidates who've said, we're going to do this. But because they promised us a little bit more in our monthly check, we said, well, fine, you give me more money and I'll vote for you. We've sold out. The church has sold out and we've given over to ungodly principles. That's why we're in the mess we're in. Now, I know that's going to offend somebody. I know that. But what are we going to do? I don't like it that that's happened. What are we going to do? Are we going to scream at each other and create more offenses? Are we going to make them our mortal enemies? Are we going to tell people to get out of our churches? Are we going to judge their eternal souls and tell them to go to hell? Some churches are doing that. Some Christians are doing that. What Jesus said? Jesus said, I've come to seek and save the lost. 
And we're so angry at the lost and those who are misled and we're just kicking them out the door and pushing them out the door and say, God doesn't love you anymore. Don't speak for God because that's not what God's word tells us. Our mission is to reach those people, not to offend them and kick them out of the church. Maybe, just maybe, we should be trying to love one another, teach God's word and allow God to change people's hearts. Because we stopped doing that a long time ago. We need to get back to it. If you teach the word of God and people get it in their hearts, it will change what they think about society and the whole world. That's the role of the church, to be the conscience of society, not to rule with government, but to be the conscience of society. That's our role. Excuse me for getting excited. I'm not supposed to do that in these Methodist churches. I apologize. I love my country. Let me ask you a question. If someone has a different political view than you, does that offend you? Jesus asked his disciples, are you going to leave me? Are you going to be offended because you don't understand what I'm trying to do? You don't understand the teaching? Are you going to go the opposite direction and run away? If somebody disagrees, are you going to create an offense or are you going to be offended? I love my country, but the only kingdom God has called me to promote and build is the eternal kingdom of God. I want America to be a godly nation. I preach principles constantly to help people understand this. But if people reject it, that's between them and God. That's not my call. And I refuse to divide the body of Christ with political arguments. If the truth of God's word divides the church, divides the church, so be it. But I will not replace the gospel of Jesus Christ with any political agenda. I'm not going to do it. When the Antichrist begins to rule and reign, maybe another pastor will, but I'm not going to do it. I know that's strong, but that should make some other people that I just offended happy with me. If political issues cause me to take my eye off the ball, I will no longer be focused on God's kingdom and his purposes for the church or for my life. I've got 15 seconds to finish my second point. So one, politics. The second issue, and I can do this pretty quickly, the second issue is this pandemic we're living through. This pandemic has drawn a dividing line in our society and it's affected the church. And a lot of it, not all of it, but a lot of it has come down the lines of faith and fear. And I want to talk about this for a few minutes. And please, if, if, understand, if I go just a few minutes long, please bear with me today because I don't want to do this in a series. I want to get it over with in one Sunday. So you'll give you a week to get happy with me and come back next week, okay? <laughs> but this past year, I've learned more about people than I've ever learned in my entire life. Let me give you two, two illustrations in the church. You can stay home and watch online or you can go to church. We've done this to accommodate people wherever they are in their faith. And I'll be honest with you, 
I believe we need to be in God's house when we can be there. But for some people, I understand not wanting to be around crowds. If you're really susceptible and you're in a dangerous group, I understand your, 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 res your uh, reserve there. I, I get it, your reservations. But let me go one step further. I don't understand why Christians are beating each other up over where we are in faith. Let me illustrate it to you because I'm going to show you both sides. In the last year, when we started having services again, there were people who were angry because we weren't wearing masks enough. And I think we probably had some people leave the church, had one lady send me an email and told me I'd gone over to the dark side. And I, I, I kind of think I'm on the light side, but we'll see. I heard a lot of stuff. People offended, angry, mad because we weren't wearing masks and we were getting too close to each other. If that's where your faith is, so be it. But why do you want to criticize other people who see it differently? Same time, I had people who left our church because we asked you to wear masks until you got into the auditorium. We're just trying to accommodate as many people as possible and get them in God's house. And people left the church. Well, bless God, if I have to wear a mask through the, door, the doors, I'm not coming back to this church. Okay. Why do we have to be so hateful in our judgment towards other believers? Why? I don't, I don't understand that. I understand the differences, yes. But I don't understand the hatefulness in the offenses. For those of you watching online, I don't know why you're watching online, what your reasoning is, but I'm glad you're watching online. And I'm going to give you God's word today. I think it's more powerful in the house, but that's between you and God. If that's your choice and you feel it's best for you, I honor that. I'm not going to beat you up for that. But I don't want to hear people destroying other people and creating offenses because we see some of these things differently. A few months ago, I had a pastor friend. How many of you like Trader Joe's? I have a pastor friend who's at Trader Joe's and he's got stuff and he's going to check out and he's waiting his turn and he gets busy there and he didn't notice his mask fell down to where it was just touching the tip of his nose and barely hanging there. And he looked to the next check stand. There's a lady over there who looked at him, caught eye contact and she began to yell and scream and chew him out and embarrass him in front of all these people because his mask came down to the end of his nose. It wasn't up to his eyes. Of course, my pastor friend, being a good Christian, didn't say anything back to her. He just walked out offended. <laughs> now, stay with me. I'm going somewhere with this, okay? Why do we judge one another like this? Why do we think everybody has to see it my way? Why do we do that? You know, in, in 1 Corinthians 8 and 10, both those chapters, if you're going to go home and read it, it's great reading. 1 Corinthians 8 and 10. Paul talked about this, about judging each other because our consciences are at different places, our understandings at different places, and we approach things differently. He said, why are you judging each other? Who do you think you are to judge somebody else of where they are in their faith? Don't beat them up and destroy them because they have a different understanding of things. Now, stay with me right here. Because in 1 Corinthians 9.22, here's what Paul said. He's talking about Jews. He's talking about Gentiles. He's talking about weak. He's talking about strong. In other words, he's talking about believers and unbelievers, everybody. Here's what he said. I've become all things to all men that by all means I might save some. 
And while some of the church is yelling at those wearing masks and some are yelling at those not wearing masks, people are running from the church angry, offended about things that should not matter. And we took our eye off the ball that we are here, that when people are hurting and afraid, we've got the answer. Why are we trying to push people away? Why are we doing that? I like this. Man, this is so good, I may replay it second service. I may not even preach it. I may just show the video. See, the responsibility of the church is to minister to people right where they are. We're supposed to help them take their next step of faith, not tell them they're stupid because they haven't got where we are in faith. It creates offense. Democrats, Republicans, masks, no masks, fearful, brave. I don't care who you are, what you are, where you come from, where you think you're going. I'm here to help you take your next step of faith. That's why the Bridge Church exists, and we're going to keep our eye on that ball. We're going to do that. That's our calling. We can't allow our personal opinions and personal preferences Take our eye off the ball. If you feel like God's called you to get involved in politics and stand up for something, go for it. Go for it. But don't expect it to become the voice and the message of the church. That's not my calling. Now, before I close, I've got to say this because I think it's important. Two weeks ago, I shared a message from Psalms 91 talking about faith in God, protection of God. In the last year, I went back and looked this week, almost half of our messages the last year were really aimed at things we're going through in this season. It wasn't always real overt. Sometimes it was covert. It was a little bit quiet, but we were aiming at things that people are dealing with, trying to help people in this season. But you've got to understand, if you, if you know Psalms 91, if you don't go home and read it, Psalms 91, I believe, is the believer's insurance policy. He that dwells in the secret place of the Most High will abide under the shadow of the Almighty. I will say of the Lord, He's my refuge and my fortress. My God in Him will I trust. No matter what comes my way, He's going to protect me under His wings and under His shelter. See, I believe that with all of my heart. I believe that. That's where my faith is. But I don't want my strength to offend someone who doesn't have the same level of faith. I need to walk out my faith and encourage people, not walk out my faith and discourage people and yell and scream at them and push them away. That doesn't solve any problems. Republicans in the house, there may be two or three, I don't know. Can I tell you something? You know what thrills my heart on Sunday mornings is to see Democrats get saved. Democrats, you know what thrills my heart on Sunday mornings? To see Republicans get saved. And God has worked on my heart. I'm almost to the place where I want to see people in the Green Party get saved. He's working on me. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. What's the point? We're here to reach people. Keep our eye on the ball. And, and here's what I want to close with. I'm, I'm almost on time. I'm going to tell you a story. Last year, and some will say, well, I, I was afraid of that. When, when the government told us to shut down, they said shut down for two weeks until we can bend the curve of this. 
I understood in the natural they were doing what they could. I didn't think it made sense because I, I believe God protects his children. That, that's my faith. But we said, okay, we'll do that. We'll, we'll shut down for two or three weeks until they turn the curve. Five months later, we're still shut down because they said we can't turn the curve. I was angry for five months. Yes, your pastor was angry. I was offended. I was a part of a group of pastors and there were a couple thousand churches represented. We laid out a 13-page document, put it on the governor's desk. He said, get it to me and I'll let you reopen churches. We laid out a whole safety plan, 13 pages. He wouldn't even respond to us. I was angry. I was angry. Because as far as I'm concerned, it's wrong in principle. But it's wrong more so because if there's anything that needs to be operating in a pandemic, it's the church. But here's, and I know some, well, I don't know if I believe that. Trust me, okay? Just trust me for a minute here. I was angry. You know, started in March, April, May, June, July. My whole world was turned upside down. I was almost depressed. I ministered to hundreds of people every Sunday. Used to be thousands, now it's hundreds, but through online it's still thousands. But I'm preaching on Thursday night or Friday morning to a camera and a cameraman and a sound man and nobody else here. My whole world has revolved around Sundays, my whole life, and all of a sudden Sunday's not what it used to be. I was angry, I was depressed. And then I kept praying, saying, God, I'm so angry at the governor. I'm so angry at this stupidity. The society needs us. God, I need to open up the church. And God kept saying, no. Two or three of my friends opened. I said, God, they opened. It's my turn. No. One week, back in July, the end of July, I'm praying one day and I said, God, I'm sorry. Please forgive me. The governor may not be all those things I called him. I may be wrong about some of that. <laughs> I know, I know I'm offending the left, but please. I'll, like I said, this is equal opportunity offender. But I said, God, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. People who don't know you are not going to respond to things like this as if they do know you. I'm wrong. Please forgive me. And I said, God... I'm going to lay down my anger, my depression, my frustration. I'm going to lay it all down. And if I have to preach to a camera on Friday morning for the rest of my life, if that's what I have to do, I'll do it. About two days later, my heart changed, my attitude changed. I was praying. The Lord spoke to me and said, you can have church now. Yeah. <laughs> See, I'm, I'm telling you the truth. We could have started having church a couple months earlier because if I had a bad attitude and I was offended... I'm telling you the truth. It's amazing how a few million signatures on a petition will change a governor's mind, isn't it? But I'm going to close with this. Jesus asked the disciples, does this offend you? Does this make you walk away from the church, walk away from what you believe? Are you going to take your eye off the ball because of this offense? But he comes down later on in chapter 6. And I want to close with this because I think it's really important. Verse 66 of John 6. The same story. Jesus says, eat my flesh, drink my blood. And all of a sudden, man, the crowd just... Rrr, rrr, rrr. Everybody's offended. 
Verse 66 says, From that time many of his disciples went back and walked with him no more. There were people who left God's family, who left Jesus, because they got offended at something Jesus said that was absolute truth. Verse 67, Then Jesus said to the twelve, Do you also want to go away? But Simon Peter answered him, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. And also we have come to believe and know that you're the Christ, the Son of the living God. The local church is the hope of the world. And I'm talking to believers today specifically. Our doors are going to stay open as long as God wants these doors open because this is our goal, this is our mission, to connect people with God and connect people with people. I don't care where they come from. I don't care what their past is. I don't care what they believe. The Word of God will change people's hearts and people's minds. We're going to preach the gospel and let God work. That's our calling. That's our calling. And yes, holy cow, I was 10 minutes long. I need to pray right now. Bow your heads with me. Father, we love you today. We thank you for your goodness and your grace. I pray now you use your word in this message today to cause us to search our hearts, to walk away from any offense, any attitude, any idea that doesn't line up with you and your word. God, you've called us to love one another. You've called us to love a lost and dying world. We can't do that carrying offenses in our hearts. Help us to focus on the big picture of the church. Help us to focus on where we fit in your plan for the church. Help us to keep our eye on the ball in Jesus' name. Heads are still bowed, eyes are closed, please, just for a minute. Maybe you're here today, maybe you're watching online, and I've not preached a salvation message, but the Holy Spirit's talking to people's hearts. Let me tell you something. God loves you so much. He put his own son on a cross to pay for your offenses and your sins so that you could come into the family of God and learn his ways and be saved eternally and in the next life rule and reign with Jesus forever. But God can do nothing in our lives unless we accept him and welcome him in. It's a choice we make. It's a decision we make to choose Jesus. Maybe you're here today or maybe you're watching online. Maybe you've never made that decision. Maybe this message today has clarified some things in your mind and you understand the mission more clearly and you say, I'm ready to commit my life to Jesus and follow him. I want to pray today. And it's, this whole relationship with God begins with an invitation. It's, a, it's words. It's prayer. I want to lead you in a prayer and let you wrap your heart around this prayer today and receive it in your own life. So I'm going to ask everybody in the building, everybody watching online, pray this prayer with me. Say, God, I need you. I open my heart to you. Please forgive me. I accept Jesus as my Savior. I choose Jesus to become the Lord of my life. From this day, I will follow you. Teach me your ways. From this moment on, you will be my father. I'll be your child. Thank you for calling me. Thank you for receiving me. This is my prayer. Amen. Right. Here's the deal. This is the last thing I want to share. And like I said, I know I'm long today. Please thank you so much for your patience with me. Praying that prayer is the 
greatest decision you make in your entire life, but it's not the end of the journey. It's just the beginning of walking with God. We have a simple little booklet we want to give to you that will help you begin that journey with God. It's called The Next Seven Days. It's a little bit of reading for the next week to help you understand more about God's plan for your life. It's a foundation from which you can launch your walk with God. We want to give it to you. When service is over, we have prayer team members who are here to meet with anyone and pray with anyone about any need, but they also have those booklets. If you just walk up to one of them and say, can I get the booklet? They'll give it to you, no strings attached. If you want prayer for something else, if you have questions, they'll help you with that. If you just want to get the book and go, please let us give this to you today. If you're bashful or in a big rush at the glass exit doors as you leave the building in the lobby, right in the middle, there's a counter set up there. You'll see the screen. The next seven days, you can get the same booklet there. It's our free gift. We simply want to help you get started walking with God. If you're watching online, there are instructions there how you can go to our website or you can go to our church app, get the same booklet. We want to help you get started walking with God. Can we welcome new believers into God's family today? What a great morning. Can we just give Pastor Gary a hand for that great message today? Well, we are almost finished. We just have one more thing we need to do. So if you could just hold tight with us for another moment, we would so greatly appreciate it. You know, this is the time in our service when we worship God with our giving. And uh, we, first of all, just want to say a huge thank you to all of you for your faithfulness in giving here at the bridge. And we are passionate here at the bridge about making sure that we are making a difference in people's lives, not just here locally, but globally. And we do that through all of our ongoing missions efforts. But also, in addition to that, once or twice a year, we will take on a missions project. And over the last few weeks, we have been talking about this missions project that we have taken on now. And we're excited because we are building our second church in Kenya, East Africa. And this church is in an area that is predominantly Muslim, and it's an area that needs Jesus. So this is really exciting. And we told you that this project really has two parts. The first part is giving towards the actual building of the building and to pay the salary for the pastor for the first year. And then the second part, if we are able to raise enough for part one, then we also want to be able to provide electricity and chairs and sound system and the things that they need to furnish that church. Well, I want to tell you today that we have already been able to accomplish part one. We have raised enough to build the building, pay the pastor for the first year. So that is exciting. Thank you so much. Yes. And so today, this is our last week in giving towards this project. But I just happen to believe today that as we together give, we can furnish this church with the things that they need. Okay. So as you give today, if it is in your heart to give towards this project, you can just indicate on your giving, whether it's online or um, on a check or on an envelope, which you can find on the chairbacks, just indicate that it is for the Kenya project. And we just want to 
say thank you for making a difference in people's lives in this region of the world. You'll see on the screens the different ways that you can give electronically. If you're here in the building and you want to give in person, we have giving stations located on the outside of the auditorium exit doors as well as in the lobby just before you enter our Bridge Kids area. All right. God bless you as you give. Have a fantastic week, and we look forward to seeing you next Sunday.